Dr. Stephen Greer, you know, it's been a while since you heard from me, but I'm back, and I've got a new product I'd like to sell to you. It's called the Dr. Stephen Greer Vectorizinator, and what this is, is a, um iPhone app location, and what you do with it is, um... Install it on your iPhone and vector in Alien Craft. When you install the Dr. Stephen Greer's Vectorizinator on your iPhone or Droid, you'll see a, a brightly backlit screen pop up of my abs. That's right. It is a high definition 1080p photograph taken from my pecs. Down to the trail, except there's no trail, it's completely shaved. And what you do is, you shine that puppy right at the sky. And then aliens come. That's right, aliens come. So go on over to whatever your favorite iPhone app store is and uh, pick yourself up Dr. Stephen Greer's Vectorizinator. It's competitively priced. At seventeen ninety eight, that's right, just seventeen dollars and ninety eight cents, and my abs, my six pack, can call in a fleet of craft. Damn it, I love you. If you record audio for any purpose, chances are you want it to be heard. You want to attract the largest audience possible who can hear your message. That's where we come in. We're CyberEars.com, a revolutionary Internet service that will host your audio files and help you promote and track its popularity. Considering hosting a podcast to the world, we have all the automated tools to make the process as simple and easy as it can be. No technical mumbo-jumbo to work out. CyberEars.com does all the work for you. You record it, we take care of the rest. So don't delay. Go to CyberEars.com today and register for a free trial account. Upload your audio files and get heard. With CyberEars.com, it's your audio. On your terms. Jeff Ritzman, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Ritzman. Hello. <laughs> I just, I wanted to start an episode as if we were sort of like a third of the way through. Was that what you were going for there? Yeah, that's what that was. Oh. Hey, Peritopia. Welcome. Uh, I don't suppose you recall last week when, when uh, Jeff said that uh, some mystery voice gave him a brain chemical of some sort that had major effects when uh, your eye movement 
goes haywire staring at a computer or something like that. I don't know if you heard all that or not, but if you did, uh, you know that there was the element of not knowing what that chemical is. And um, if this were, a, you know, a, a, sh- a shill sort of a bad, uh, whatchamacallit, you know, a long con, <laughs> uh, we would never give you what that is. But in fact, we do know what it is because I described this situation to my mom and she said what it was. And then I said, Jeff, is this what it is? And he said, yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, and now we're uh, trying to figure out with uh, Tyler Coke, John, how this all makes sense. Um, and it looks like it could make sense. Jeff, what is that chemical? Uh, that would be cortisol. Cortisol. Doesn't sound anything like <laughs> whatever. Serotonin. Yes, yeah, serotonin. I almost said somnambulism, but yeah. And I, and, and I I think I explained the reason for that is is again I, I was trying to I was for some reason I serotonin and uh, seronin or sacronin or something like that whatever I was thinking it was. I was thinking it sounds like something that I know, and I know serotonin from listening to uh, McKenna. And um, and I remember this chemical sounded like something that I was really familiar with, and so that's where that latched onto. But I was thinking cortisone and cortisol. <laughs> so anti-itch cream as opposed to uh, a brain chemical. Yeah, that. but that is it. It is cortisol, yeah. So cortisol is what released is is this what it is released uh in what a large amount is that what it is from too much computer use uh well i mean the the way it was put was again it was just you know left to right eye movement um generates that chemical in the brain along with adrenaline and uh and it it is um it's a defense thing uh, at least that's the way it was put. Was it's uh, it, it makes you irritable, it makes you jumpy and um, defensive. You're in defensive mode at that point. What I find interesting is that, uh, of course, we don't have proof yet that that part of the equation is true. No. But what there is proof of is that uh, in certain types of cortisol imbalance, um, there is an eye movement exercise that is prescribed. Um, so there is this relation between eye movement and cortisol, whether or not anyone's figured out, uh, the relationship to the computer screen or not. Mm. Um, so I think it's, it's, we're teetering on the edge of, um, of a genuine discovery here. Could be neat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, do we, uh, do we have anything to say before we get to our guest, Mark Allen? No. Oh, good. Well, perfect. All right. Well, then, without further ado, let's get to our guest. And Jeff, since uh, you've been friends with him uh, for quite a few years now, why don't you why don't you do the honors? Yeah. Well, uh, Mark Allen is uh, is is one of the owners of AboveTopSecret dot com, and I've known Mark for um, wow more than five years now. I would guess. Um, I started going to the message board just because I kind of tripped across it doing a Google search one day and, and found ATS. I was probably on, on the onset of me coming back into this uh, pretty hard again is, is when I actually found that site. And uh, I started doing just basic teardowns of, of images that had come up here and there across the net on the UFO stuff, which always shows up there. 
in their aliens and UFO section. But it's actually an immense site and probably, um, well, I would say unarguably the largest uh, website of its kind for discussion boards on alternative topics on the net. And Mark is the chief operating officer. So um, he's a good guy. And I think um, I think we're going to be able to get into a lot of uh, the, the changes that um, – kind of online communication has had on UFOs and alien discussions and all that. So I think Mark will have some good insights into that. Paratopia, without further ado, here is the man who, uh, what, basically runs the most popular uh, conspiracy and paranormal website on planet Earth. That would be AboveTopSecret.com. Mark Allen. Mark, thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, my pleasure, guys. And I, I would hesitate to say that I run it. Um, we have about 70 dedicated volunteers that truly run it. All I do is make sure the uh, the money keeps flowing in to keep it alive. <laughs> Pretty mundane. Uh, well, how did you uh, – let's start off with a mundane question. How did you even get started in this to begin with? You know, it's funny. My wife discovered the site back in 2002. Um, I was still running a big mortgage bank that I was one of the owners of down in Dallas, and she was up here in Oklahoma near her parents, and I was commuting back and forth. You know, I'd, I'd drive back down on Monday, run the business till Thursday night or Friday morning, come back up on Friday, and she, you know, like one Friday afternoon when I got home, she said, oh, my God, you got to see this cool site that I found. And a little backup, I had been involved with or created websites back in the 90s that were dealing with these topics. And I'm talking about back HTML one days, you know, like 1994, 1995. And so she knew I had a a, a liking for these topics, especially on the Internet. And she turned me on to AboveTopSecret.com, and I instantly pretty much instantly fell in love with just the whole concept of civility, speaking to the topic, not swagging the person that you're, you know, discussing with. And that's how I found it. My wife turned me on to it. What can I tell you? <laughs> sure. When in doubt, blame the wife. Uh, <laughs> and, and do you, well, do you have uh, any sort of deep interest in the paranormal or even just in political conspiracy? Yeah, I mean, I have been studying, fascinated with, and uh, deeply interested in the UFO phenomenon for 25 years, maybe 30 years now. Um, Political corruption, political conspiracy, I've had a deep interest in pretty much since the Nixon regime. That's really dating myself, huh? Uh, well, now that now that you're now that you're uh, doing the ATS thing, and, and you have people, um, you know, who regularly accuse you of working for the CIA, what does that feel like? You know, knowing what your interest was before you got into this. I mean, and, it- and do you work for the CIA? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know, Mark. Are you? Are yeah. You a spook? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm about as spooky as Casper the Friendly Ghost was um, to a little girl in, in a cartoon. Seriously, that that is the biggest joke that any human being could possibly espouse on the Internet, to my knowledge. You know, I mean, if, if first off, let's look at the reality. 
every single person that I've ever seen utter those words has either been a a band member who could not follow our terms and conditions, which are pretty simple. Don't be an asshole. I mean, if you really boil our terms and conditions down to their essence, it's don't be a jerk. That's really it. So, you know, 99.99999% of the websites that have been created out there and definitely 99.999% of the people who are espousing these lies are people that were banned from ATS because they just couldn't be civil. Now, that's a pretty sad statement on humanity, in my opinion. But, you know, and, and, and there's a couple other ones out there that are just pure charlatan, um, trying to get attention to make money websites that like to spew that stuff because they know it'll pull Google search returns and they'll get a couple clicks. And no, I do not work for the CIA. Never have worked for the CIA. I was in the United States Coast Guard like 30 years ago. Um, but beyond that, nope. Oh. Pure businessman. <laughs> Um, so what what is it that you want to uh, do with ATS now? Because I know that you've gone out to, or at least you've had a crew, I'm not, I'm not really certain, and you'll tell me if you went out to uh, the James Gilland Ranch. Uh, so you've, yeah, I was there. So, okay, so you've gone out there and you've done uh, on-location on investigations, and I know Jeff used to, or maybe still does sometimes, do uh, photo analysis and video analysis for you. So you do that sort of thing. So you're more than just a website. You're actually out there in the field doing that stuff. Is that sort of more the direction you want to go? Yeah. Actually, the Above Network is the company that we created that owns ATS, AboveTopSecret.com. And the Above Network is truly, in every imaginable sense of the word, a media company. Um, we have expanded into books. We now have a live radio show on AM radio across the southern half of the United States every Saturday night. Um, we've totally got a complete original video production crew. Um, we have two series that are weekly now. We're about to add a third. Um, we are branching out into mobile in a big way this, this year. Um, we, we truly want to be the... And I know this is going to really offend all the people that hate us, but it's the truth. We really are trying to create the one and only that I know of purely ethical, crowdsourced media company in the United States of America. That's our goal. Our goal is to take you know, media as, as an entity, um, in my opinion, has been corrupted. You know, you, you you turn on the news, and I don't care what network it's on, you're going to get told what they want to tell you. It may or may not include all the facts. It may or may not include all the, you know, behind-the-scenes angles and the actions of the people involved. But if we ever get there and, and we're well on our way, any story that the above network covers or ATS covers – it's going to be crowdsourced, so you're going to get every perspective. A lot of them you're probably going to vehemently disagree with, and that's okay, um, but you're going to get every angle, and that's truly what we see the Above Network becoming, and we're putting a lot of effort and a lot of resources into getting it there. Well, to that end, uh, would you ever have anyone on uh, your show that you think is lying or hoaxing or anything like that just to have them on the show? Oh, God, yes. Just so we could expose them. 
And, oh. and I, I hope I hope nobody hears that because <laughs> we, we we really you know I, and and I'm going to do a little self-serving here. Um, one of the tenants behind my personal involvement with the initial funding of the above network and then going out and seeking the venture capital that created it was to get the spotlight off of the charlatans, the hoaxers, the con men who are at all, you know, on all the speaking tours, the guys selling the DVDs and the books. We all know who they are. You guys have, have you know, shined the light in, in a very good way from my perspective on many of them. Um, but, one of my tenants, one of my, my goals was to get the, the spotlight and the attention of the people who really are interested and, and especially the people who need to believe, who keep forking over their hard-earned money to these losers and, and disgusting humans um, and, and put that spotlight onto the real deal, you know, the real cases that are worth looking at to get rid of the snicker factor from Fox News or CNN, right. you know, there, there's a real phenomenon here. And I'm, and I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> well, in terms but of the real phenomenon, a, uh, what, what have you, have you personally experienced anything that you would say was anomalous? You know, I really thought I did at the Gillong Ranch. I really thought I did. We had night vision gear, um, generation four night vision gear. We had infrared cameras. We had about 40 cameras set up. I mean, it was a, pretty cool scene and i had the night vision goggles up and prior to then and that was in 2008 i think when we went up there pretty sure it was 2008 i'd never seen anything my wife is a former nasa rocket scientist aerospace engineer she had seen something she couldn't couldn't possibly explain even with her education i've never seen anything and and lo and behold i'm you know, one of the three owners of AboveTopSecret.com in 2008 that had never seen anything, but it is what it is. We're up there, and I'm looking through the night vision goggles, and my God, this thing comes, you know, I can see the satellites going nice, smooth, the way they should, going across, and all of a sudden this thing comes perpendicular to the satellite orbit or trajectory, and it stops. It kind of does a 90 and it heads back the way that it came from. Well, to me, that was amazing. And if anybody listens to the recordings that we have, which are buried on the site somewhere, you can hear me in the background going, oh, my God, I don't believe it. Finally, I've seen something. Well, that illusion was shattered <laughs> to about six months ago when the Air Force released the fact that it had the remote-controlled, I think it's a TR-3D, the uh, the Air Force's remote-controlled space vehicle. And, you know, I have to figure that's what I saw hmm. long before public release or acknowledgement of it. But as long as that thing was up there and could have been flying around, I have to assume that's what I saw because it was pretty much intermingled with the satellites and everything else going on. But so that was a really long, boring answer to your question. My, the answer is no, I don't think so. But maybe. Uh, uh, oh, go yeah, ahead, Jeff. I, I got one, Mark. <laughs> um, you know, when we had uh, James on the show, um, you know, I emailed you about what his opinion was of of ATS, which obviously wasn't mm-hmm. good. Um, and and uh, you know, there, there was a there was a lot of video up, and there was a lot of stuff. I mean, at what point did 
did you guys kind of say, uh, this is not apparently what it appears to be here? Well, after we got back, Johnny Anonymous, one of my dear friends, and a stalwart, you know, he had about 200 hours, maybe more, of video, and really started pouring through it. I mean, the guy was locked up in the studio for, honestly, about a month, and it's just the way it is, and he poured through it. And while we were out there, we had real spotty internet service, and we had downloaded the satellite tracking software for real time. Um, I forget the name of it. But anyway, while we were looking at the sky, and what appeared on the netbook was there's no satellites during this 45 minutes to an hour and a half, whatever it was. So we were all like, wow, you know, that's crazy. Look at all this stuff. So we kind of wrote most of them off to military, but the one that I saw that acted really bizarre was, in my mind, an absolute UFO that was intelligently controlled. And in reality, it was. But when we got back, Johnny had the foresight to dig through the archives. After he had a solid internet connection, he went back through the archives and realized that we did not get the full download while we were out there on the mountain. And pretty much, you know, the archives listed every satellite that we saw going overhead. Obviously, it didn't look at TR3B that I think I saw. And then the other thing was, and and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disparage James Gill in, in any way. Um, but I will tell you this: the first night we saw lights up in the mountain, which are one of his big deals, and it was really fascinating. It was amazing. I mean, the next day, Stephen and I, one of my partners, we recorded a video of what we saw the night before. Shortly after we shot that video, Robbie Williams, the British pop star friend of mine, was looking through some really high-powered binoculars and a telescope, and one of the guys that works for him, who is a former military uh, special forces guy for the British military, was looking through another set of really high-powered binoculars, and they saw people walking around the same face of the mountain that we saw these crazy lights on the night before. So Occam's Razor would tell you that if you saw lights the night before in the mountain, these people were walking around on the mountain the next morning, they probably were the source of the lights. Okay. I think in our after chat, um, I had said, I mean, directly, just from talking to James, I mean, he, he's not, he wasn't our typical guest. I'll put it to you that way. Uh, I mean, we've had everybody from NASA, NASA mission specialists on the show to physicists to theoretical science and all of that, and he was definitely not our typical guest. And I think I said in the after chat yeah. that you know James kind of paints his world with a unicorn hairbrush. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> did you? <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, did 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 you find him to be a credible guy? Did you find him to be as as laid back as he seems actually to be? You know, I found James to be very credible within James's universe. Mm-hmm. Now, is that couching it as well as it can be couched or what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he thinks yeah. he's telling you the know, truth. He's true to himself is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think that in James's 
reality, things are the way he describes them. I do not think James Gilliland is a charlatan or somebody trying to con anybody. I think James has a completely different worldview than the rest of us. Now, does that make that a correct worldview? I don't think so. Um, you know, I can tell you that we're, we were having breakfast, and, you know, James walked up and started talking about experiences that he had there on the property. And they were really, really way out there. But I have to tell you, the guy was looking me in the eye, and he was not coming across as someone trying to sell me something. He was coming across as a person who was sharing an experience the way he experienced it. So I don't know, I don't know how to categorize that. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to process that. Um, you know, for, for all the, the, the mean things that James said about us, I've got nothing mean to say about him. I think that James truly perceives the things that happen around him the way he describes that he perceives them. Hmm. Well, I, th I think anytime you guys, I mean, ATS has gotten, I would say, exponentially larger since I came on five or six years ago. And uh, I think at any given time, you're bound to not only get a hold of some really good stuff, uh, but I think you're also bound to get a hold of uh, tigers by the tail of controversy by way of that. And I don't think that ATS has been uh, uh, any more immune to that than we have, um, right. you know, in, in any in any strange way. But um, one of the biggest things that comes across is uh, is another forum that will, uh, I think, routinely not only attack ATS as an entity, but will attack you. And, uh, and and skeptic overlord and well me too, um, and so you know one of the big things that came across the desk at one point was O'Hare, and um, and O'Hare you know kind of kind of uh, uh, I mean the, the 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 genesis just for people who don't know and I don't know how many people know or don't know but it's an interesting story nonetheless, um, you know that I I was uh, pretty involved in the message board and we were starting a little a subgroup on ATS, um, you know, to really kind of hone it down to a, a, a little crew who would analyze some stuff. And, uh, and it wasn't really getting off the ground. I mean, just the, not a lot of people were, uh, were putting forth cases that they wanted to study, and it was, it was real loose. And, uh, and at that point, I wanted to start working on the book again, and uh, my wife and I were going on vacation, so I was going to be traveling. And, and lo and behold, after I kind of dropped out of that group and kind of Stayed offline for a few days. O'Hare hits, and Mark calls yeah. and says, uh, "You need to get online like right now." And uh, <laughs> and when I did, of course, it's just like any other job that you do when you know when the opportunity presents itself, which is a rarity, uh, you have to jump on it. Uh, and so uh, you know, somebody took that whole story and basically concocted it that uh, ATS had. Had had some hand in either hoaxing the O'Hare uh, single photo <laughs> and the event, uh, and, and and the airport uh, must have been on, on it too, and um, and the uh, FAA and the FAA, uh, yeah. and apparently we also hacked our radar dishes to make them see something yeah. that wasn't there. And so I'm curious, Mark, like how do you what do you even say to that? I mean, you guys, I don't see, I don't see a whole lot of talk back to that kind of stuff. Is the answer for you guys just to ignore that kind of 
tripe and and just go on and do what you're going to do and uh or, or or have you responded to stuff like that before no you know we learned long ago and in internet terms as long ago it was probably only five years ago four years ago um when when people just absolutely fabricate utter horse hockey the the smartest thing you can do is ignore it into oblivion and i coined that phrase four years ago or five years ago whatever it was you know guys we need to ignore this into oblivion because if we do respond because of our reach we're going to give them attention and we're going to have to keep wasting time on it and with everything we've got on the plate we don't have the time to deal with it. So it's really kind of a practical deal, you know. Um, number one, it really pisses me off when people lie about me, as it does anybody else who's rational and normal. I mean, if someone is lying about you, it really pisses you off. Well, for me to respond, or for Bill to respond, or Stephen, or anybody else in our, in our circle, to respond to that stuff in the position we're in now, and even then, you know, it just, it gives them traction. It gives them legs. And, you know, to ignore it, on the one hand, you know, may look like, wow, they're not responding. They must be guilty. But when only 14 people are seeing that, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Right. So does that make sense? I mean, if you yeah, respond, 14,000 people may see it, right? Yeah. But if we ignore it, then nobody sees it, and it's crap anyway, so why bother? Right, exactly, exactly. There's well, a lesson kind of, there, Jeff. There's a lesson there. Hey, quiet down, you. You're just as bad. <laughs> uh, uh, I, well, and that brings us to, to, to this point, which is this Doom of the Rock stuff, which I came on ATS Live with you guys the other night to talk about, um, uh, you know, which, which, you know, their hoax is for anybody who doesn't know it, and and we've got a couple posts up uh, on our homepage for that. And then Mark over at AboveTopSecret.com in the uh, – I think it's in the hoax section now where it should be. But I think that uh, Bill, uh, Skeptic Overlord, started another uh, thread just to – because he duplicated them. I mean he said this is one of the things that people have been whining about. So look, here it is. I mean for something like that, Mark, I mean – I remember when O'Hare came out and pretty much when I left it lay where it sat and said, I just don't know uh, because, you know, there's not really enough data there to, to make a, a conclusive cause of what we're looking at. But it's certainly interesting. That seemed to be enough for people. And it seemed to be like, OK, well, this is this is cool. And I've said before, you know, abject failure when you're analyzing video or photographs. Um, you know, it means one of two things. Either you're, you're looking at an anomaly or uh, there's not enough data to make a call at all. Um, yeah. And this, that O'Hare thing kind of fell in the middle of that. But um, that seemed to be where it stayed. And, and a lot of people didn't really argue the point. Uh, but on this thing, I mean, my God, 189 pages, probably from a Monday to a Monday or a, you know, a Friday to a Monday. It, yeah. it just... It just exploded. I, I mean, you know, and I talked about how I think that, or I, I think that people's visual acuity should be getting better with the amount of uh, of uh, uh, of effects that we're used to seeing in film and TV and all of that these days. I mean, for Christ's sake, even even home movies at some point, um, you know, are approaching 
a, a decent level in consumers' hands to be able to do stuff. And so we ought to be able to say, well, we've got to be a lot more careful now. But that doesn't seem to be the way it goes. Um, can, you, can you speak to kind of like how aggressively defended some of these things are and, uh, and how you've seen that change over probably like let's, let's just take a period of five years and say, have, has it gotten more defensive and more a need to believe than it was five years ago for, for ATS? You know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a two-part answer. I think the first part is anytime the mainstream media gets it wrong and locks on to something like this, like the Jerusalem video, it brings in potentially a billion people. Think about that number. That's a thousand million people that are on the Internet that have no exposure to any of all the crap that we've all seen, the Billy Myers, the, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on, of all the the bunk, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got these people that are fascinated, and they see it on CNN, or they see it on ABC, or they see it on Fox. Well, that runs instantly and unjustifiably, in my humble opinion, and and guaranteed amount of credibility to it that it otherwise would not have. So, you know, we saw that with the Haiti video that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it was so bad with that one that the palm trees were all the same. We knew exactly within an hour and a half on ATS, it was busted as being view, the new software that came out. Yes. Even to the point that the artist who created it stepped up and said, whoa, you know, I did this for fun. I had no intention of CNN picking it up and presenting it as UFOs over Haiti for real. Even then, there were people that still clung to it. And I think it's, this is the second part of it. I think that there is a percentage of the population that absolutely, positively needs, and I say need like a baby needs its mother. They need to find something like this they can believe in. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's if it's religious. I don't know if it's uh, you know mental instability. I don't know if it's a hole in their life. I don't know if it's boredom. I don't know if it's disgust with the way the world is. Any of which are completely understandable and and you know believable. Um, but I think that when you get the one-two punch of mainstream media picking something up and running with it, combined with billion people who may or may not be exposed to the realities of ufology, when you put that together, you've got a very volatile mix. Mm. And I think, you know, com's reach has now expanded to where you do a Google search on this stuff, we're there. Yeah. And that's going to pull in thousands of other people that, as I've said, may or may not have been exposed to this stuff before. And it's just the cost of getting big, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, for, for anything, and you can feel free to decline to answer this, but uh, has anything come up on ATS? I mean, and, and let's be really clear. I mean, I, I can't imagine that a lot of people who listen to us haven't been to ATS, but uh, just so everybody's aware, you know, I mean, the UFO and aliens category is just that. It's a category of a site that houses more topics than you could shake a stick at, uh, including government conspiracy and, and, and pesticides and 
God knows what else. I mean, I haven't even seen everything in there. Um, it is huge. And, and I would assume, Mark, am I right in saying that the aliens and UFOs thing is still probably one of the biggest forums on there that, that, that draws the biggest crowd? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's second only to alternative breaking news. Okay. So, you know, on, on a given month, the Aliens and UFO Forum will pull in, you know, 350 to 750,000 people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you're... Just the when we're, yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, in, in all of these forums, I mean, not just UFOs and aliens, but across the board, have you ever had something truly scary show up on the board? And then have you even had maybe even the scarier thing of somebody calling you from the federal government to, to God knows who else saying uh, that needs to come down? Never. Never. We, we've, actually, we've actually caught them screwing around on our site. Mm. They've never, ever reached out to us and said, hey, that can't, that can't be. Not, not once, not even a hint, nothing. Mm. When, when you're dealing in some of this stuff, I mean, especially when it comes to um, – uh, the UFO stuff, uh, you know, I, you, you hear these these kind of tales all the time. That uh, I, and, and I would think ATS would be essentially a magnet for all sorts of of cases. I mean, across the board. Uh, so it kind of surprises me that it, it. I mean, even when you go to conferences, which you do on occasion, uh, go to some of the bigger ones. Um, does anybody ever approach you there? I mean, have you ever got an inkling that anyone in any position of knowledge? has been on your site, uh, has posted there. I mean, we've had uh, – the one that comes to mind for me is like Sleeper comes to mind, and and I I don't even know what that was. I didn't even read it. That that was was, an author who you can go look at his his site today, mm -hmm. and he's he's an author trying to, you know, build a business. Yeah. That's truly all it was to that. Yeah, and and that, that, that thread was my god was huge. Um, yeah. And, uh, and of course, back in the Serpo day, I mean, you guys pretty much tore that to shreds and, uh, and showed it for what it was. Um, but even today, that's still going for some people. <laughs> and I don't... Yep. See, this is where I go, I don't, what am I doing here? <laughs> I, I, and let's be honest, Mark. I mean, when you go up to your site right now, the Dome of the Rock footage is still being talked about. And yep. and some members are still defending it, <laughs> which is yep. so absurd to me. I can't even imagine it. I mean, right? It's, uh, it's truly. I, I look at and and I think you're an integral part of this. It's truly educating the masses, you know, about what a hoax is, what a charlatan is, and what a con man is, and taking the spotlight off of that because there, there's some stuff we're going to release in the next couple months, that I truly do expect a phone call, like you mentioned. Mm. I truly do expect to be called into a meeting to review what we can talk about and what we can't talk about. But that'll be the first time. And, and, and I'm not saying that that's happened. I'm saying I expect it to happen. And I had a conversation today with a very dear friend who is a former, uh, what's a good way to put this? Um, this guy is a former, very high-level uh, intelligence officer who has come to our side because he has questions that he can't answer, mm. and he's still very connected, but he's kind of shunned 
because he stepped off into our side of the fence instead of that side of the fence. If there truly is a fence between us, and I'm not going to say that yet either. I, I believe that most of the guys in government are just as confused by this phenomenon as we are, with the exception of a handful, if you believe in the cabal theory. And I can't say I disbelieve the cabal theory, but I can't say I believe the cabal theory. But based on the evidence that we're looking at right now and the thing that we're going to break, there's got to be a group of people somewhere that know stuff that they're not talking about. The, the evidence is irrefutable, and, and it's and it's absolutely real, and there's no question about it. So that kind of messes with me. But getting back to your basic question of, you know, have we ever been confronted with, hey, you guys can't talk about this, take it down? Absolutely not. And and with regard to the people who are still talking about the Jerusalem UFO stuff, that doesn't surprise me at all. Not at all. Because yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there's there's a religion, I think, around ufology right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Well and, I had said scary. Yeah. I I had taped a pretty lengthy post to uh uh I think it was I, I can't remember if it was um, Hoax Killer One, which is his, his name on ATS's Gift of Prophecy. So we have to uh, yeah. we have to shout out to him for for uh, you know r- ripping that the Jerusalem thing a new right. dome. Um, but uh, uh, you know, I, I had written a long post to him saying, you know, at this point you're still arguing with these people. You've put your data out, <laughs> and at this point your set is out there for for a permanent record. And, uh, you know, and once you go past a certain point, and I learned this on the Meyer case, I mean, how many times did you have to pull me back from the edge on that? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, no, no bullshit. I mean, um, you know, you, you said to me a million times, you know, your record's out there. That's it, man. Walk away. Stop letting them get at you. You know, we've, we've gotten rid of the, we've gotten rid of the, of the main, uh, uh, well, shall I say turd in this case, uh, is, is off the board. <laughs> so, you know, that's it. Walk away. And, I basically said the same thing to him. I said, look, you know, I learned a really hard lesson. It's just like at a certain point, you've got to drop it because you're fighting a belief system and you can't win against that. Um, that's right. And that's really what it boils down to. Um, uh, so, so, so this news, um, and I know you, you can't really talk about it, but is it ufologically related? Yes. Okay. And, and, it's, and it's international and it's all straight from the top of one of the former superpowers of the planet. And it's going to be... I think it's going to be huge. Um, it could it could fizzle and be nothing because you know it, it, it may be so fantastic nobody can believe it. Um, it, it may be um, you know our vetting isn't finished yet, but it's really close and and it's pristine. Um, am I am it, I going to be it, staying it, up forty eight hours to uh, to do? Yeah, uh... probably. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Probably. But, but this time, it. my man, this time there's no digital images. These are real photographs. Oh, okay. The old school photographs. I mean, no digital, nothing. This is this is the stuff. Good, I like um, that. And, and, that, and that's why I'm so excited about it, because it's the first time in 25 years that I've come across anything like this, and the source for this material is impeccable, unimpeachable. Um, a name everybody knows, and I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Major tease, but I think it's going to be important. I really do. All right. Well, and how soon can we expect that? Do you know? Do you have a timetable? You know, um, we're, we're 
because we are an ethical media company, um, we're, we're going through all the proper channels. We're going to make sure everything is what, what we think it is. So that, it, as you know, that all takes time. Sure. Um, you know, so I'm thinking April at the earliest, um, May, June at the latest, it'll start, we'll start bubbling. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's something to keep your eyes out for folks, uh, on that end. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, like, like I said, you know, from the, uh, in the short term sense, now here's the other question. Um, when we used to get hoaxes way back, I mean, I, the, the first thing that pops in my head is the, uh, is the dairy UFO case, which turned out to be a, uh, spray painted piece of fucking candy. Um, <laughs> it went a long way, didn't it? <laughs> hey, what? It was over a hundred pages too. I mean, come on. Um, uh, I mean, when we're talking about stuff like that, I mean, when that comes across, uh, 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 like, do you guys have a filter system set in place? Um, you know, that, that I I know that some things have gotten submitted right to you. Like for instance, the LaSalle photographs that came out, I think not long after or within the time frame of O'Hare, um, which to me, I mean, for my eye seemed to be the same object, um, I mean, for those photographs, um, and we'll we'll try and find them and put a link to them on on your site and our message board, so people can see what we're talking about. Uh, th- those were some of the better ones that I can remember seeing on ATS. Um, and when you showed them to me, you know, I, I said, "Can you do me a favor? Can you just hold back on no- shot number four <laughs> for like a day?" Um, because uh, here's the thing, folks: uh, there were four photographs in this in this sequence, and the fourth one sucked uh it wasn't a good shot it was a bad shot because the the object was mostly obscured by a tree and so you could barely see the slightest sliver of it from between a couple of leaves but you could definitely make it out um and and and, you know for, for the way i look at things like that is like how far is someone going to go um you know to fake something and are we are we actually going to see somebody fudge a shot on purpose in such yeah. a way that you go, you know, I'm just not feeling that somebody's going to do that. They're going to stop at three. They're not going to do that last shot where it's like, you can't even see it because people may not see it. <laughs> um, I mean, did, did you ever find out where that came from? Uh, any more about no. the circumstances of it? No, I mean, no, no. I mean, it was, it was, all we got was the same thing as as the only standing shot of the O'Hare UFO itself, mm-hmm. which, for all we know, was taken by the taxi pilot from the cockpit or wherever the hell he was the day that it happened. The the, the great rumored shot, and it was mysteriously and 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 you know anonymously uploaded to APS the shot that you and David both spent. Cod mm-hmm. a week looking into um, those four came from a kid reportedly. I mean, all we have to go by is what people tell us, right? What, what right. they type. And it was a kid who had his mom's camera. I don't, I don't remember the details, but I think it was a kid who had his mom's camera and went out and took shots, whatever, and found them. And she was like, "Okay, forget that." I, I don't remember the details. I'm sure you, you can help me with that. Yeah, but, I, I think she uh, was the one who shot him, and she was pretty. 
disturbed when she got back. And then it, the way I understood it was it was her, it was her her, her uh, phone, I think, it was her camera phone. Yeah. And he um and he basically yeah. took them off and then said, you know, uh, you, you can't uh, you can't tell my mom that I uploaded these to you because she'll kill me. Yeah, so she, okay. doesn't wanna, that, she doesn't want to she doesn't want to be identified. That is right, 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 and that is right. Um, you know, and that's all we heard. We never heard another word. That was hmm. it. I mean, we got those shots and not another word, you know, and, and I will add, just to add to the intrigue of the O'Hare thing is that, um, the lady who reached out to me, you know, as a witness of O'Hare, who I spoke to on the phone and had a couple other people talk to on the phone. Yeah. I talked to her for like three hours. And yeah. You talked to her, right. You know, I told you this Saturday night, um, you know, she's no longer of this earth. Right. And the really scary part of that was, and I'm not trying to build intrigue around this. I'm not trying to do anything other than tell the truth, you know, because I, I don't know what it means. You know, I don't know anything more than what I'm saying. Well, but and this story's long I, I, since faded from public view. I mean, let's be honest about that part. I mean, yeah, who, who yeah. talks about O'Hare anymore, really? And I think it's an important right. case, but who talks about it yeah. anymore? I, I think it's the most important case in the 25 years that I've been around and involved and interested ever. Without I, it was definitely interesting. Most important case. But as, and, as far as the witness lady goes, what uh, what went on with her? Well, you know, um, I was flying up to do the Discovery Channel special, and she was obviously part of that. And seven days prior to my flying up, we spoke, and she was kind of incognito, for the 10 days prior to that. So when I finally got her on the phone the week before I was flying up, I was like, my God, are you okay? And she said, well, I had a little knee surgery. I got an infection. I'm so sorry. You know, I was in the hospital and the cell phone was at home, whatever. And she goes, but I'm fine now and we're on. See you Thursday, whatever day it was. And everything's cool. So three days before I left, four days after that last conversation, I start calling her again. No answer, no answer, no answer. Which I fly up, we do the shoot. Um, Sam Moranto, who was the uh, Illinois director of MUFON, he had spoken to her too, and he was involved in the shoot. And I'm talking to him and saying, have you heard from her? No. Um, months later, I find out that she died within mm-hmm. that time frame, from the day that I spoke to her to within a couple of days of me flying into Chicago to do that shoot, right. she died. And we don't know, we don't know from what, I mean, there's just an obituary and that was it. It didn't say why. Um, wow. But I mean, you know, that's just weird, right? Yeah. And now, I know that she had knee surgery before and she had an infection, but she sounded great. And, you know, I've had one, two, three, four knee surgeries and I'm still here. I've got yeah. a fake knee on my left leg and I'm still here. Right. You know, take, yeah, take from that what you will. Yeah, well, I I can tell you from talking to her that um, uh, you know, I mean, I went through the whole the whole battery of questions, the whole typical questions yeah. that you would ask somebody about this kind of stuff, and she walked me through the whole sighting. And at the end of it, I mean, we just talked for a good two hours after that about uh, you know, which is pr- predominantly something I'm more interested in, almost or as interested in as the sighting is how it affected her. Like, how did this? Yeah. What what does this do for you? And she basically said, she's like, I I guess if there was something on TV, I might have watched it uh, about UFOs, but I wasn't like, I didn't really, it wasn't like I was uh, going to set the VCR to record it. Um, right. 
But uh, but she said this has really freaked me out a little bit because all these people were standing around, and when this thing yeah. left, it was just this collective. You know, there were people screaming. There was somebody that was. You know, there was this collective gasp out of the crowd. Yeah. And uh, she said, I think it was at that point that uh, it, it. I just. I see this all much, much, much differently than I used to, and I think that this is a, a part of my larger worldview now. Um, but uh, well, but what's remember, interesting, and remember, she was picking up her pilot friend. Yes, yes. Who talked about it after she got him in the car? Yeah, because they they put him in holding pattern till this thing yeah. left. Um, yeah. uh, so I mean, you've got that, but but what's interesting about her story, which. Uh, other couple of witnesses that I talked to, one being Japanese, uh, a Japanese couple that was there, who they were a little difficult to communicate with, but definitely saw the same thing because they described the same thing. And I don't know how much this was really talked about. I'm sure it was in the NARCAP report, but right before this thing left, this this lady had told me that uh, essentially uh, they felt static. I mean, they felt a very strong yeah. pulse of static electricity. She said it felt like your hair was going to stand up on end and your face, your nose started to tingle and tickle. And uh, she said it was really, really, really strange. And there was a slight disorientation with all that. So, you know, I mean, God knows what it was. I, it's really a shame that um, th- that it hasn't uh, been further picked at. But unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of chicken left on the bones at this point. Um <laughs> About what we can find out, uh, right. you know the, the the FAA. I mean, I understood at some point, or I had heard a rumor at some point that you were going to get access to radar printouts for that. Did you? Were you able ever to get those? No. What we did get though was the audio recordings between the tower and the traffic. Oh, okay. And and it's and it's on it's it's all on an RCAP site. Um, okay. Big Haines has all of it, and. I mean, they were definitely talking about it. I mean, right down to, we did get the FAA log, and at 16.30, somebody, I don't remember the name, from United Airlines called the tower and said, you know, hey, we've got a UFO over sea terminal. And and what's really ironic about that is that <laughs> I'm, I'm a member of United's Frequent Flyer Program, and I've been <laughs> at sea terminal so many times since. Right. You know, air. I mean, flying all over the place for for the business, and I constantly look up, especially on a cloudy day. Right. But you know, that's just a little stupid irony. But um, but no, I mean, you know, anybody who says that anybody hoaxed O'Hare is an idiot. They're just <laughs> well, uh, they're just a fucking idiot. There's no yeah. other way to put it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've got you've got the traffic reporter for the Chicago Tribune, John Hilkovich hears about this through his inside contacts at the second busiest airport on the in the country and yeah. the busiest airspace in the country. And he goes out and interviews twelve people that were on the ground looking at this thing. Then you've got the corroboration of a of a call in to the FAA tower, which the FAA denied to Hilkovich in the beginning. Let's not forget mm-hmm. that. Um you've got the the FAA's uh, audio traffic between the tower and the aircraft circling above waiting to land talking about it, giggling about it nervously. Um, you know, there's just a hell of a lot to that case oh, yeah. that is absent from virtually every other case out there. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what silenced. I'll tell you what I find the most amusing, and this is something that 
anybody who brings out the idea that we were in cahoots, you know, to make a, a, a big wad of cash off of O'Hare. Um, yeah. And that is that is what is said, is that, you know, we basically milked it to get as many hits onto ATS as we could. Well, let me tell you something. I drive a 1980s vehicle. So if Mark Allen paid me off, uh, he owes me some fucking money. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, well, and but, I can throw into that. I can throw into that that O'Hare represented about eight percent of our traffic. Honest to God, right? right. Oh, no, it, at its peak, yeah. it was eight percent of our traffic. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, here's so, the thing: is we, that we might have made forty dollars. Right. <laughs> I mean, here's yeah, the seriously. thing: at the at the at the onset of it, I mean, the same thing I always do when this stuff comes up, especially with stills, is can I find a backplate? Can I find? Yep. Uh, a, a, a Genesis image for this thing. And I found one on a Japanese businessman's site that we called yep. the congestion shot. And when I started picking through it, I'm like, you know what? I'm looking at this thing and the angle of the ground is different, which that could be changed. Uh, there are lights there that aren't there in this one. That can be changed. But there were aspect ratios of that and c- condenses of such subtle things that you can't you can't imagine how subtly changed that it was, but all based upon that it was taken by a different camera. The, the ocular distortion based on the lens and the shape of the lens and the type of camera, it, 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 it gives you a different uh, aspect ratio to uh, the, the, the and curvature to the picture. And sure. so that's one of the things they point at is that uh, this is really what the O'Hare photograph was, and Ritzman is lying. Well, here's the only <laughs> words that I have to say at that point. I found the fucking backplate shot. I found exactly. it. So why would exactly. I then turn around and say, why wouldn't I want to be the guy who solved this? Are you daft? <laughs> so, and apparently, yes, they are, is the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so You know what it is, Jeff? You know what it is? Honest to God, what it is is that it, it, there, there's one or two people that are saying that. The one are the guys that are the opposite, the polar opposite to the true believer, right? Yeah. The true believer needs this stuff to be true, and God bless him. Um, and then the absolute stone-cold debunker can't stand this stuff to be true because it completely obliterates his worldview, Yeah. right? I mean, yeah. everything that he holds true in his heart is destroyed, if it is true, whereas the true believer, everything they hold in their heart is validated if it's true. Those are two warring factions that can never meet. So all of us in the middle, guys like you and me, um, who are just trying to find out what the hell's going on, and and, and that's my motivation, and I've known you long enough to know that's your motivation. Um, We're always going to take the heat from both of those extremes. There's, there's just no way around it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because absolutely. we don't give a shit about what may be or may not. We don't want to believe we want to know, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that's it. In a nutshell. I mean, exactly. well, yeah. well, here's here's a, here's kind of my last one for you. I mean, uh, I've seen a lot, actually, in probably the past year, a lot of uh, sticky threads at the top of the aliens and UFOs section, because that's where I predominantly go, be civil to each other. Be more cordial to each other. We're not going to tolerate this nonsense of personal attacks and um, a- any number of other you know, ways to stick a knife in somebody around here. 
has it has it gotten more volatile over there? Um, you know, in in the sense of well, probably just in the sense of more visitors. But I mean, aside from that, have you seen the level of aggravation and infighting increasing? Yeah, I mean, when you see two threads authored by me sticky to the top of that forum. Mm-hmm. on top of all the other crap that I have to do every day, when I have to stop and take carve out 45 minutes or an hour to punch out a thread that absolutely lays it on the line about, look, if you people can't get a clue, clue enough to this debate, discuss, you know, tear apart the topic, but not each other, then you know the volatility has gone up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it got so bad. There's there's websites out there that have, um, there's one of them that has a thread, uh, the ATS debunker calling Hello Springer. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that, that's a huge, it's like the third biggest thread on that site. Right. The ATS skeptic, skeptic calling, that was it, High Springer, in parentheses. Right. Yeah, and, and it's like, there's this handful of, of debunkers that were on ATS, that, you know, their true colors have come through on that other site because they're admitting over there, thinking, I can't see it, I guess. I don't know. Right. Um, you know, well, I just, there's nothing I love more than popping open a beer and just ripping to shreds any believers on the Internet. Wow. And they were, yeah. you know, and they got banned from ATS, and now all of a sudden it's because we don't want skeptics on ATS. ATS was founded on critical thinking and skepticism. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, I know we're doing it right when when the debunker side calls us a true believer website and the true believer side calls us a debunking website. We know we're doing it right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, Mark, look, yeah. we're, uh, we're, we're out of time, my man, and you are too. You got to go uh, get a couple cocktails in you. And, I do. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I, I do have one question for Mark. Oh, go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. Uh, this is probably the worst last question because it could easily be its own beginning to a show, but I'll ask it anyway as the last question. Um, uh, putting all this stuff together, do you see um, this as cut and dry, nuts and bolts, alien phenomenon, or do you think that all of this sort of ghost and various paranormal stuff mashes together in some weird, undefinable way that does not imply aliens? Sorry. You know, <laughs> I have. I, you know, I'm going to be. I'm going to be brutally honest to say I have no clue. I, I truly don't, and that's part of my motivation for pursuing this. Is, is I, I have yet to form an opinion on what is going on. All I can tell you is something is going on. And, and when I look, I live in a haunted house. Right, I live in a house that's built in the 1800s in Indian Territory in Oklahoma. Um, it, we we had crazy stuff happening here, and one of our beloved members on ATS, you know, said in a thread, "Hey, try this. Go up and just talk to the entity like you would anybody else." And and I'm reading that, and I'm going, "Yeah, come on!" And and it kept happening, and I thought, you know, what do I have to lose? So one night I clomped up the attic. <laughs> I'm just picking more talent. I'm, I'm I picturing did. Mark Allen talking to the air in his house. <laughs> <laughs> I did. You know, I poured a really good Maker's Mark, and, and I said, okay, I'm committed, because it was scaring my kids, it was freaking my dogs out, and it was scaring my wife. And at that point, what do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. So I coughed up into the attic, and I sat down, and I said, Entity, whatever you are, you know, this is our house now. You're welcome to stay. And I went through this whole thing. And you know what, guys? 
knock on wood, I don't think we've had three incidences since, and that was five years ago. So you tell me. I don't know, Jeremy. I I ask God, I don't know. But I have a sense, just my logical mind tells me that if if all this is real, um, yeah, it's probably all interconnected. I mean, why wouldn't it be? It's, it's, It's beyond the normal. Right. I mean, normal for us is you see Bob. Bob's a human. He's standing there. He, he breathes air. He's, his heart pumps blood. His cells are made out of carbon. And Bob is Bob. Everything beyond that, I have no reason to not think it's all connected. I have no reason to think it's connected either. But when you have no clue, you know, what, what are you going to think? When you well, no Mark clue, Allen is, is a good clue. Yeah, Mark Allen is actually squeaming on Paratopia, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about the haunted house, man. We could have. <laughs> that'll be next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. there's one. One of the biggest threads on on above top secret is have I deserved something? And my wife started that thread, and it's it's <laughs> it went on. It's still going on for years, years and years. I think it's got I don't know. Uh, fifty thousand re- replies, but it, it it it's infrequent now, you know, so it's buried, but it's in there. Wow! Nice. Well, well thank you again for uh, for coming on Paratopia and sharing your time with us. Yes. Well, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Above Top Secret dot com, everybody. <laughs> like everybody they don't knows. know. <laughs> we'll, we'll have that in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great one. Thanks. <laughs> okay, you're listening to <laughs> you're listening to Jeff and Jeremy on Paratopia, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I'm dead wrong. I agree with this No, I'm just going to say you know you're listening to, to Jeff and Jeremy on Paratopia. You just have to awesome this You're listening to Jeff and Jeremy on Paratopia. So the Jeff. So the Jer. Mark Allen. Mark Allen. My first question for you is the big secret that he is going to be unleashing upon the public um, in April, I think he said, earliest, but probably Something later. Something like that, yeah. Uh, you think it's going to be a big deal? You know what it is, right? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. Liar. Um... <laughs> I think it could be, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I think it could be. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, hopefully, uh, maybe I'll get a sneak peek at uh, some of the stuff as it comes out. Um, We'll just have to see. I mean, potentially, I think it it could be uh, a a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I like how he framed what he thinks ATS is about in terms of it's about, well, not really so much busting frauds as presenting decent information. And if that means busting frauds along the way, great. Mm-hmm. Um, is is that how you see ATS? You've been there longer. Is that what brought you to the table at ATS to, to do image work in the first place? Did you see uh, it as that sort of resource? No, I, um, Wow. You know, I wish I could remember what I was searching for when I when I actually came across ATS the first time, and I, I honestly I honestly don't remember what it was I was searching for. But 
I think when I first found it, it, it certainly was was well trafficked then as a website. There were certainly a lot of people on this message board, and the message board, uh, you know, it, it was one of those places that you could go on the net and you, and post a message, and you don't wait three days for someone to answer it or something like that. It was a very quick moving board, and yeah, I saw it as as a as a place where a lot of people. Uh, congregated, but they were, and and still are, in my opinion. It's still a vast cross section of uh, the people that are interested in this stuff. I mean, you've got the people who are ultra critical and um, don't believe everything right out of the box, and then you have you know something like the Jerusalem footage show up, and immediately, um, just to give you an idea of the cross section, the the vast majority of people were very suspicious of it, uh, didn't take it at face value. And then there's always that certain portion that just like, this is what we've been waiting for. This is, this is it, you know, look, it's starting to happen already. And, um, a disclosure is a really big thing over there. Like everybody wants to talk about disclosure and what does it mean? And where, what's going to happen afterwards and how soon is it coming? And, uh, you know, I mean, I just I tend to steer clear of those. But I mean, if that's your gig and you like that, I think you get some good uh, engagements over there on that. But yeah, I think that there is um, a, a, a pretty large core of, of really uh, analytical people over there who really do step back and and use the internet as a tool to dig around and 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 find out more about the people who are either bringing a case forward or. Uh, tracking down who exactly the anonymous person is on the web, and it, it, it's good gumshoe work a lot of times over there. So, uh, what do you do with the fact that they had John Lear there for so long as like a staple of ATS? I mean, I wanted to ask him this, but then it's like I don't know how to ask that without sounding argumentative, and I don't mean it to be. I just really <laughs> want to know how yeah. one, how you can say one and, and have the other be true at the same time. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I mean, again, I, I honestly don't know what um, what that was about. I mean, you you you, you kind of know that with uh, with John, you're going to get um, some pretty wild stuff. And um, and and let's be honest, a lot of people over there really like that uh, that part of it. And you know, what did we encounter you and I on uh, on a message board not long after we first met, which was, you know. Uh, Everybody likes a good story. Who cares if it's true? Blah, 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 that sort of thing. I mean, we got a lot of that um, at a particular message board, and we were just confounded as to why anyone would feel that way. But uh, there is a a portion of people out there who it being true or not is kind of irrelevant. It's just like it's a neat story. It's a neat narrative, and and maybe it's one of those things that just kind of feeds off itself and, and self-perpetuates after a while. People find that to be engaging. So uh, other than that, I, don't, I honestly don't know. Um, I have a question for you about your uh, your visitor. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to call him anymore. I used to call him Toilet Paper Man. That seems degrading somehow. <laughs> so we went with sheet man I, I don't know so we'll just say your visitor <laughs> i refer to him as the ghoul but your go friend, ahead friend yeah. um so it, it it dawned on me this week as i was thinking about it okay so if he's got this message uh that could potentially save humanity or save us from mutating into some horrible you know, overly adrenalated uh, Bane <laughs> character from yeah. Batman or something. 
Um, and I don't know that that's what it's all about, but go ahead. No, but whatever, whatever it is, he's, he's saying it's important, you know, it's so important that we should talk about it on the show. Uh, right. Uh-huh. So if that's the case, why was he waiting for, uh, you to deal with anger issues? Why was it like, you want to know why you're angry? Here's why. Why not come out like with the first conversation you ever had and say, holy crap, here's something that's going to save humanity. Like, what other gem is he waiting for us to just happen to talk about before he comes to you and saves humanity with it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> See, this is why we need to get this guy on the show. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I can make up something if you want, but I, I, don't, I honestly I don't mean, does know. Does that bother you? Like, did you even think about that? Does that bother you? Uh, no, because, I, I mean, you know, I, I think of it I, – I know you put a great deal of, of – um, you know, of, of fervor behind the idea of, you know, this changing and saving humanity in some way. But the only feeling that I got from it is like, this is why a lot of people are, are angry. And this is why a lot of people are defensive online. And this is why um, you're having so much difficulty in, um, in discussing this stuff with other people. Like, you know, I, I, there's always the anonymous goon online who, um, we'll always throw a monkey wrench into a discussion and start some kind. Of, like there are always shit starters, and we know that. Um, but there's there's a, a bigger dynamic online when you're talking about this stuff or anything. You could be talking about, uh, um, you know, gas station giveaway prizes for, from the moon landings for fuck's sake. It could be anything, and there'll be arguments about it. And that's something that always I, I found very curious and. Um, and so, you know, I I look at it as you know examining my my own anger issues and and uh, and all of that. And I I think for a long time that I kind of blew off my anger issues as well. I'm I'm just a passionate guy about what I'm interested in, and, and it's more than that. I mean, it, it, I think essentially I, I don't think that um, the that whatever this is is saying you know you're excused because your rapid eye movements are causing anger. I think it's just like well, here's a little something that might give you a clue. Is that going to save the world? I don't. I don't think so. But uh, you know, it certainly uh, spoke more to me of um, again. You know, you're you're some sort of evolved monkey, and your your technology is so far in advance of what you're. Your 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 brain is like we're doing things and we don't even know uh, what effect is is a computer monitor going to have on your skin in fifty years. I mean, we you know we don't know. I I got it more in that sense. Like you know, you're plugged in all the time, and uh, and maybe it's time to unplug and maybe go walk around outside or something like that. And there has been, you know, I think I'm okay with saying that there is a. Uh, a certain drive towards nature with this this interaction. Um, that's about as far as I'm going to say with that. But it's you know there is a certain drive to that direction, and I think that that maybe is part of it. Is like maybe if you would go outside and stand around with some trees for an hour before you go to work, you might not be so um, irritated. <laughs> you know, stop reading email in the morning first thing out of bed. Have and you, drinking Pepsi, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you should do that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> don't make me chastise you. You should do that. Um, have you had a chance to unplug you and your family? You said you were going to put them on yeah. half hour quarantine. Has that worked? Yeah. Um, Any noticeable difference in attitude or behavior? 
Um, yeah, I would say, I would say, yeah. Um, in particular with my son, I think that he is, um, well, I mean, he's 18 years old, so he's fallen into that, you know, mom and dad aren't cool anymore and I don't really want to hang out with him. I'd rather hang out with my girlfriend and, and stuff like that. And, um, and I think that since, uh, he's been, I mean, I can't count much for earlier in the week because we had some snow where, you know, he had a day off, so I don't know. He was probably on the net or playing games all day. But um, the one thing we noticed, uh, I mean, which is interesting to me, is like early on, maybe when he was, uh, maybe when he was fifteen, sixteen, something like that, uh, and he'd bring home a bad test paper score or something like that, we'd we'd ban him off the Xbox. And we found that when we did that, within two to three days. Um, he was a lot more talkative. He was much more, um, I don't know, just more personable, I guess. Whereas when he's, you know, free reign over the Xbox and the computer, it seems like he kind of becomes introverted and, uh, keeps to himself, stays up in his room, either playing guitar or playing games or reading or something like that. You know, it just, um, he seems a lot more sociable when he's away from that. As for me, um, I've been walking in the mornings for the past two days uh, a little bit and going out in the backyard with the dog in the morning. And uh, I should say that, yeah, the stress level seems to be down a little bit. But I've been staying up really, really late. Like I've had insomnia like all week long. And last night I came home and just fell apart, you know, sat down on the couch. I was gone um, in about five minutes after I ate. And, um, I didn't wake up until what I called you about 1230, something like that. I was just absolutely gone. So um, uh, I was pretty unplugged for that whole period of time. And but it's hard for me. I mean, I'm, I'm eight hours a day at work and I'm on and off the net and uh, and I'm doing graphic work. So it's it's tough. It's, it's tough for me. The wife, again, she works. She has to be on it. You know, I think you see the biggest change in your kids when you remove them from this kind of stuff. My mom even commented and has commented before that uh, my son is is much different when he's not continuously engaged in some kind of online um, activity. So, you know, I think it's been beneficial to him for sure. Well, it's interesting even to think about just, um, you know, doing battle with people online on these message boards mm-hmm. where, you know, you can respond to something and then you're anticipating the response to your response so it can keep you hostile for a really long time <laughs> if that person yeah. doesn't respond right away and you keep waiting for it, then they do. And then you've got to say something back and then you've got to wait. There's no like conflict resolution that happens like a real argument where it's, it's over in a matter of seconds or minutes, you know? Right. It can go on for weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and on some level, I mean, <laughs> I had a, a friend of the show write today and say to me that um, essentially he considers online entanglements to be like sport. And so I think there are certain people who really like that kind of thing. Like they get an adrenaline rush off of that and they, they like that. Um, I used to like it. I mean, I back in the day, I used to like, you know, getting into it with whomever. Um I don't know until you just realize you're not really accomplishing anything, accomplishing anything because eventually, um, 
it, it degrades into just personal swipes and who said what when and you know trying to play a gotcha moment and, and then and then what are you really accomplishing? There's not much getting done. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean. As far as saving the world, I don't know about that, but I think that it's uh, a little bit of insight into perhaps why we all need to unplug a little bit and um, and do something else and engage something else um, and and see see if any of you listeners notice any difference in yourselves and just what you you know there is a certain withdrawal period. I'll admit that. I mean, there definitely is that. I had to kind of fight myself not to uh, check email in the morning a couple of, couple of days this week, but. After a while, you're just like, yeah, there's other things to do. I'm going to go outside and walk around. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel somewhat better. But I, I'm not, you know, this weekend I'll, I'll completely um, pull out of the whole thing and just see what happens. But you know what? It's like one of those things where I sit back and I go, depending on what's going on in the course of doing the show or an email that you might get from somebody – I have to wonder, being in ufology is somewhat stressful to me. I mean, is it not to you? Do you not find a certain level of stress just being in this as a discussionary topic? Yeah, I not- find – well, I find stress on different levels uh, mm-hmm. being in this. One of them is, um, you know, the ordinary stuff that we're always talking about. But then there's another, the other one of being pigeonholed. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess I don't even know. I don't even know how to express what the stress is, but it's mm. it's kind of like if you're you're like you're always supposed to be the one to take the high road, right? Right. You know, uh, you're always supposed to turn the other cheek, right? Uh, and people call you out on it when you don't because they expect better of you, right? And they don't expect better of any, the other person or the other people, so they don't speak up. They don't say anything. They don't chastise those people. Right. chastise you for going wrong <laughs> and that's stressful i, I mean yeah. i understand it from their point of view but from my point of view yeah it's like well, all i hear is criticism of me and no criticism of anyone else and even if i understand where that comes from and why they're doing it it's like after a while it's just like you know what fuck off <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's easy to say that you know it's easy to say that but i think it's uh um I think the well, I mean, you, you well, look. You at know just, what it is? You know, it's like it's like what is the line between what is the line between turning the other cheek and being the bigger person and um, and not speaking up and your silence becomes part of the problem. You know what I mean? Right. You yeah. Know, well, that's what is the, the saying? Silence is permission, or, or you know, whatever, whatever right. the permutation of that is. Well, certain things can't go unanswered. You know, I mean, we all know that, but you know, there there comes a point where. Um, I think you have you have to just say I- I've said all that I need to say, and anything past this point that comes across my lips is counterproductive, and um, and I'm continuously fighting that. Um, it's very hard to, to fight that at times, but um, I'll tell you what's interesting to me is like you used to go to a UFO conference, and and if you were standing around with sort of like minded people when you're having this debate or discussion. And then someone from what we would call the quote-unquote fringe element would seep in and say, you know, something about Venusians. Um, at that point, the group would kind of like collectively just move away, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I think online you don't have that – you don't have that ability to do that really. You've, you, you could ignore that person 
in which case, you know, the uh, the real life translation of that would be that that person would then jump into the middle of your little semicircle and start babbling uh, right up in your face, um, and that th- that's the point where you know conflict erupts. So this whole an- you know notion of anonymity is a problem. Uh, here's, a, but, here's what I would here, you know, here, here's what I would like to see. How about this? Uh huh. Maybe this is how we register a complaint because it clearly doesn't do any good to. Uh, for a lot of people to speak facts to them, and it doesn't do a lot of good to just uh, insult them and get into a fight that way. But what if um, if you're seeing some sort of behavior from one of your favorite online people or researcher or whatever, uh-huh. write to them and say, you know, I used to be a big fan of yours, but I don't listen to your show anymore because of this behavior. Or, you know, I used to follow your research, but because of this behavior, I don't follow your research anymore. I think if enough people say, I'm not going to listen to you anymore, or I'm not going to follow what you do anymore, then that's going to sink in. You're, oh, they're losing an audience now. They're losing right. their their money. <laughs> well. I mean, is that the way to go? Well. That's fair enough, isn't it? I don't know. That's basing, you know, someone's temperament upon the quality of work behavior, they're doing. Though? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it might. Because you uh, see people arguing with each other, you know, mm-hmm. with these personalities online, and the argument doesn't – the argument seems to end in, well, if you don't like it, then leave. Don't let the door hit you on the butt or, right, right. Uh, you know, or as I received this week, a private email uh, from a researcher slapping me with his resume like like it's a dick contest, you know? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, just ridiculous. But, yeah. I mean, if enough people were to just be like, that's not appropriate behavior, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and there's a consequence, and the consequence is you just lost this audience member, you just lost this mm-hmm. reader of your research. That's going to shut them up, or at least make them rethink how they're handling themselves. I guess. I guess. Um, I mean. I mean. I think with certain people, I, you know, I think what you get online is in fact what you would get in person. Like I honestly believe that. I think some people. I mean, just like Mark said, you know, when we're talking about. Uh, this Jerusalem thing, getting back to that, uh, th- there were people, even as we recorded that, who were still arguing the point that nothing has been shown to refute that piece of footage. And with all of the stuff that's been shown, every any number of them or one alone would negate the footage, period. Any one, I mean, there were several things brought to bear on this. That essentially put it squarely in the uh, circular filing cabinet. And any one of them alone would do the job, but there were many. And these people were still saying, you haven't convinced me. Now, if we were all standing in a room face-to-face and looking at this on a big computer monitor or a big screen, um, I don't think there'd be an argument. I think the only reason – I think Mark is right. The only reason that that argument continues is I'm not backing down because my online persona doesn't want to back down off of this and be made a fool of or look foolish for believing in this. But you know what? There's a really easy answer for that is if you feel like you got suckered and you feel like, oh, well, I I bought into this and it wasn't true. Now I feel like a fool. One option is to say, wow, I got snookered. I guess I'm going to have to be a little bit more – critical about what I'm what I'm viewing from now on which is the honest way to go and it's not 
it doesn't mean you're less of a person. It doesn't mean that you're um, doesn't mean anything. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. We've all made them. Um, and the other option is change your fucking screen name. <laughs> you know, it's a it's an avatar. It's a screen name. Change it. That's it. If you if you're embarrassed, change your screen name. So, but again, this 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 online interaction is wholly different from what it's like if you're standing in a room. But I believe that we've encountered people who are precisely the same way uh, online as they are off. I think we're the same online as we are off. Um, you know, it's it's uh, actually I think I'm a nicer guy uh, in person. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. Not to you. Not if you know me personally. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> But okay. I, mean, if I just, you know, like when we, when we, you know, I, I think I surprise people. Uh, like when we went to the Phil and Brogno trip, uh-huh. like uh, some of the listeners were there, and you know, I was riding around in a car uh, with them, and and they were shocked by my polite mannerisms and all of that. And uh, so you had them fooled, is what you're saying? I had them all fooled. Well, no, I mean it's real. It's real at the time. <laughs> Probably the more comfortable I get with you, maybe the less. Uh, but no, I think I'm polite. I mean, I'm polite. Yeah. When yeah. I'm at your place and all of that. Sure. Outside sure. of the fart chair. Yeah, don't go near that. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah. Rude, uh, pretty rude to the fart chair. Right, but other than that, <laughs> right, right. Anyway, um, I think the internet is really it's been it's been a benefit and a hazard to this field, and I think that um, you know, and I'm not going to lie, just because you know Mark is a friend and and I and I like ATS. Um, just like everywhere else on the net where this stuff gets discussed, there are aggravations to be had. Um, so ATS is, is certainly not any more perfect than anywhere else, but, uh, it's certainly the largest cross section that you're going to get. And, uh, and, and the choice of interaction with certain people is, is, is good. So, I mean, you've got people on there like Isaac Coy, who, um, you know, is, is a, is a, a, a damn bright guy. And, uh, I, I had a lot of really good interactions with him on there and, um, and uh, Jim Oberg is on there quite a bit as well, and I've seen him, um, you know, t- t- taking lumps for really trying to educate people about what they're looking at when it comes to NASA footage. And that's another big thing on there is the NASA footage and the um, and the Mars rover pictures and stuff like that, like people finding interesting things in those uh, rock formations. And and most of it, uh, or all of it, as far as I'm concerned, is you know, paradolic. It's you know, it's it's the ink blot. Um, yeah, you uh, shade in this area and this area, and suddenly you've got a Mickey Mouse face, oh, right? Mickey Mouse skull. Really? I mean, I, I wouldn't. Know. I wouldn't actually mind having someone on the show at some point that is into all that Mars stuff because I, you know, I I, I don't know anything past uh, a very early video presentation that's, that probably Lee gave me of Richard Hoagland at the UN giving his. Uh, his, his his spiel about the Richard Hoagland at the UN. See, this is again we we pick on psychology for mm-hmm. not keeping up with the hypnosis stuff, but Richard Hoagland at the UN. Yeah, well, this was this was this was many many years ago, um, and I'm pretty sure it was the UN of some uh, you know it was some get together of the UN, um, and it was it was it was a good uh, it was a good presentation. He was a very young man at the time, and. Uh, um, and I have to say, you know, what, what was there was certainly compelling. Little did I know that, you know, in years to come that, you know, 
his reputation would just not withstand what I viewed on that videotape. I mean, I think he started out, um, I don't know if you call him, you know, he had some interesting thoughts. I, I thought they were interesting. I enjoyed watching the presentation, but did he hold up over time? I don't think so. Well, isn't this the problem that ufology has over science, say, which is um, if scientists go on to champion a theory that is then proven false, they don't then spend the rest of their lives championing that theory. Right. I mean, unless it's like, you know, like the mainstream, like the mainstream, say, archaeology, where they like want to stick to their timeline. Right. I'm not talking about that, but I mean, just on every little thing. But it seems like every little thing in ufology, I mean, you know, it sounds great to say the Mars, this and that and the other thing way back when. But once you disprove that, that should be the end of your gig. (laughs) You should be changing with the information, not trying to manipulate the information to continue to fit your disproven theory. Right. Right. I don't know. It just seems odd. But. Uh, let's switch up here because I just remembered something that, that I wanted to talk about Sure, that, that you and I had talked about privately and sort of jokingly I'd said to you, hey, you know what we should do is since MUFON has uh, its own infrastructure, we should just somehow get our listeners to infiltrate MUFON and take it over and then we'll just become <laughs> Peritopia MUFON. Uh-huh. Uh, but then we got to talking about, you know, you were saying to me, where does their information go? Right. And I feel like we should have that discussion on the air. Where does their information go? For for how many decades has MUFON been the leading uh, UFO organization? And they don't uh, seem to have a coherent database that the public has access to. They publish, you know, bits and pieces, I guess, in their MUFON journal. But you had actually tried to get some, um, just some cases, right, from them? Yeah, years was, ago. Yeah. yeah, it was an impossible task. So, yeah. What are they doing with their information besides collecting it? Do, do we know? I mean, are they cross-correlating data? Are they doing anything that Jacques Vallée might, you know, give a thumbs up to in, in terms of science? Like, what what are they collecting information for? And you can say whatever, Bigelow, Bigelow, whatever. But that's that's a whole different thing. Forget Bigelow. Just before Bigelow, what was MUFON doing and why? <laughs> I don't know. Um just to I mean, say, look, you can report here, and then we can keep saying you yeah, are real. Yeah, I, well, I mean, it. Um, I mean, I, I've been out of the MUFON loop for years. I haven't been to. Uh, I used to go to a meeting that was probably fifteen minutes up the road. Good bunch of people. I mean, uh, interesting, interesting people. What did they do besides hold meetings and discuss current ufological matters? Um, I don't know. There were. Definitely people in that group that were field investigators. Did any of them actually go out on any field investigations? As far as I ever knew, no. The only person that I knew who did that was the man who ran the meeting, who I think they called the section director of that area. Um, and as far as I know, he was the only one who, who did anything. When we had the uh, crop formations show up uh, north of me um, – he was the one who gathered samples for um, whoever they were getting sent to, and and um, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Linda Moulton Howe came out for that. I mean, again, I don't I don't know how that was MUFON related, if it was, if it wasn't, but I do know that um, there was a standard form to submit a sighting or something like that. But where that went, I don't. The Home Office, I don't know. All I know is that I tried to get. Um, 
like a cross section of reports out of uh, the state of Maryland uh, for disc shaped objects. And I wanted to see if there was perhaps in the area where Lisa and I had seen what we did, if possibly that area was a hotbed um, of those sort of sightings. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that it wasn't necessarily a hotbed of sightings, but certainly a hotbed of, of abduction experiences up there. But MUFON, um, I, I tried months to, to get something uh, sent uh, through a, a, a man who was a member. He requested them for me. Um, and, and he said, I, I just keep getting stonewalled. They, they don't, you know, they're not answering me. I'm, I'm not getting, you know, I'm not getting dittos or mimeograph sheets of anything. So I don't know what to tell you. Nowadays with the website, I don't know. Have you looked at their website? Is there a database of stuff? Is it, is it kind of like a la um, Davenport? Is I have it, no idea. You know? But even if there's a database, like so what? What science are they doing? Like are, are, what are they doing with it? Where's the explanation of what they've been doing all of these years to try to make <laughs> sense of the data? Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean it's just funny because we talk about individuals who hoard – or, uh, you know, release uh, cases when they need the money, right? Right. <laughs> um, but you don't think about organizations hoarding. But, do I mean, does I know, what's Joe Montaldo's ICAR? Isn't that <laughs> the, the same acronym as, uh, as Jacob's organization? Um, does he – do you know anything about, like, his organization? Does he share data? Does he do anything with that data? Do any of these other groups – and I'm only pointing Joe Montaldo out because – that's the only other group I know at this point. Like the only other group that comes to right. mind is NICAP, and I know that's not exi- non-existent. Right. So uh, I don't know what other groups are out there, but but do you? I mean, do you know if any of them do anything with the data they collect? Well, I know that that NARCAP does, but they're because- not ufology; they're UAPology. Right. <laughs> well, say what you will. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that they do. I think that they certainly have people. Um, to look at data and and cross reference it and um, and study it and then release a report to the public, which I think is great. I think that um, uh, Ted Phillips certainly has a very large um, gathering of stuff and and to his credit, I mean, uh, I spoke to Ted this week and uh, he's going to be coming back on the show soon. But uh, you know, I mean. Ted could tell you based on the landing, you know, based on what depressions were in the ground and, and, and what the site looked like, he could tell you what kind of craft a person sighted. I think I remember him saying that at one point. Um, so he certainly got that out of it. Um, yeah, but that's an individual. I just mean organizations. Yeah. And maybe uh, even the same can be asked of the, you know, there are eight kajillion mm-hmm. ghost hunting organizations now, right? Yeah. Do they share data? Do they do anything with their data except go look at this? No, I, well, I mean, I tend to think that it's um, that's like trophy hunting to me. That's um, and I think a lot of these smaller UFO groups are kind of the same way. It's like a trophy hunt type thing. Like here's the stuff we've got, and you know, you can look at ghost hunters and and see that same thing it's like you know they go in on the under the auspices of we're here to help what do you what does grant wilson say ever hi we're taps we're here to help how are you helping um <laughs> by tapping yeah i mean uh we're here to help uh here's some footage you've got a ghost in your house uh, if you need anything, call us <laughs> yeah if we could yeah we'd love to come back at some point well we'd love to have you 
And then after the camera stopped rolling and the Taps vans pull out of the driveway, that person goes, well, honey, we've got a ghost in the house. (laughs) And so, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, and for, you know, the same for these ufological organizations, if they're, I just, I don't know. I mean, when it came to MUFON, it was like, I would ask a lot of questions of the section director uh, there when it came to, you know, like, well, what, what are you doing with these photographs? Where are they? Will they go somewhere and like, will so-and-so look at them? And, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, Indiana Jones, like, you know, where's the arc? We have top men working on it. What top men? Top men. And it just kind of, you know, like, what, where is all this stuff going? I don't know. I mean, it would be great if someone from a high-level MUFON – and we've got to have some high-level MUFON listeners um, that can maybe tell us or come on the show and let's talk about what's being done with all this data that's coming out of all these sighting reports. I mean, is anything done with them or are they just collected as a growing body of data, which is – you know, a premise in of itself. There's a growing body of data. But it's not a premise. It's not a premise because it needs to be categorized. Uh-huh. Uh, it needs to oh, be I like, agree. you know, just like abduction stuff. Like, this is what came from hypnosis. This is what came from real memory. Right. You know, here's what some kid reported. Here's what some adult reported. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Because uh, it's not all the same. But just to put it all in a silo somewhere from, you know, the 1960s onward and Right. Just go see that stack of paper. That's our proof. Right. I mean, that's the equivalent of Stephen Bassett saying these YouTube videos are disclosure. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's well, your proof, YouTube. Yeah. I, I mean, I would like to know. I mean, it's um, it is curious. I mean, I know that the MUFON Journal comes out, and I know that that addresses a lot of stuff. Um, and it may be that that is where the highlight reel is. Um, cause again, MUFON is just like any other, you know, go to entity for reporting these things. They get a lot of stars. They get a lot of airplanes. I'm quite sure they get a lot of, um, you know, just regular ball lightning, all that sort of thing. And so they have to parse that out. And I think they rely on the field investigators to kind of give them a clue. It's like, this is probably what happened. Um, but see, when you say that. Who are these field investigators? Because the people that I've met are not qualified to fucking shine my shoes. (laughs) So you're telling me that these people are qualified to figure out what the weather phenomenology of that day was? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I understand what you're saying. But I think, again, I don't think we can throw a blanket over MUFON and say all of these people are not the sort that I would send out to buy uh, a jug of milk. I think that there are good, you know, clusters of people in MUFON who do know what they're doing. Does the average member who takes an open book test, which it was an open book test when I was going, uh, for to be labeled a field investigator, and you took your test and then you sent it in, and um, and then you were a field investigator? But at the time, I thought, well, what does that really mean if you don't get called to go to a case that's in your backyard and they call a guy from twenty miles up the road? What good is that? I mean, if I'm not going to be involved in anything, why am I going to bother taking the test and paying my, you know, 10 or 15 bucks to take it? That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I personally I saw the meetings up there as, as just a good place to go for like a mini convention every every month. <laughs> you know, I mean a guy did get 
some pretty neat speakers. Well, wait a second. Did you uh, say? Did you say I, here why it is that you uh, didn't get accepted to move on? Uh, they they said they never got my checks. Right. But I sent I sent four of them. <laughs> so you sent four checks, and they never got your check. Now they never cashed your checks, right? That's correct. Yeah. So we can assume then that they lost your checks. So this is uh, an organization that can't even <laughs> figure out billing. Like, <laughs> and we want them to deal with UFOs. I don't know. Just I, I don't know. About I mean, that. again, this is many, many years ago. And, yeah, uh, some things never change. I well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to. Th- I'm not willing to throw me fun under the bus for that. But, you know, I I got to say that I've met a lot of people from MUFON that uh, that were really good, critical, analytical people who knew what they were talking about, who studied this apart from a MUFON meeting every month. Like it wasn't just their night out um, and and really wanted to be involved in it in some way. And but just uh, like, here's my question. Just like we were just talking about with... Well, let me, let me finish this first because this is, this is the critical point is, you know, you meet people like that in MUFON who are really, really good. And then you, by the same token, when you look at the rest of the people... Those are like you're saying. These people aren't really qualified to look at anything. Um, and w- what is that about? Uh, you know, and they're labeled field field investigators just like everybody. I've been a field investigator for seven years. Well, how many cases have you, have you gone out on? Uh, well, none. But uh, you know, Bob tells me soon. You know, we'll we'll get something. So that's my question: Is there a <laughs> repercussion for not being good at what you do? I mean, does anyone get fired? From uh, field investigating, does anyone get reprimanded in any way? Is there? Well, see, you're t- you're asking the wrong guy. I was never a member, so I don't know. <laughs> but you know people. I mean, there, there's got to be like scuttlebutt. Uh, I can hear Jimmy was fired. Well, I can say this: that when the uh, crop formations happened, I really wanted to go, and so I approached the the head of this meeting and I said. Uh, you know, I really want to go. Can I go? And um, and he was extraordinarily reluctant because he said that the people who owned the land were very touchy and, uh, and and didn't want a bunch of people up there. And I said, look, I'll go to work. I'll collect uh, interior or exterior samples, control samples. I don't care. I just want to go. And so I go. I buy rubber gloves. I get, uh, you know – the stack of newspapers to wrap them up in the whole bit, but he was very reluctant to 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 let me go and and begrudgingly I think um, I pestered enough that he said okay you know come on and go I wasn't even a MUFON member and I was allowed to go as far as I could tell all of the samples were collected the way they should have been I didn't see where he did anything wrong the people were certainly friendly I didn't get the vibe from them at all that uh, they were touchy or anything else they were very friendly very interested in what we were doing but um i think that well i think mufon suffers from the same uh sense of uh uh proprietary ownership i think if it's handed down you know if the case is handed down i don't think that the section directors all just you know delegate it to you know the next in line like well betty had a case you know last time now that we've got this one popped up, let's send Joe out on this. I think the section director just goes on his own and does it. That's that's at least the way I viewed it. I, I could be wrong. Um, was anybody ever fired from 
a field invest- investigation. I remember, I remember years ago hearing of someone who got a really good case and somehow screwed it up, and they were they were remo- removed from that from that position. I don't know position. You know, they were they they were taken off the case because they had. They had uh, essentially gone in and filled the witnesses' heads with all sorts of craziness. I don't know the answer to that. You know, what makes them qualified anymore? I don't know. Is it an open book test? Is it not? Do you have to do it online? And it's not. You know, I I don't know. I I don't know. I I never saw it as a real serious investigative entity. To put it to you that way, I mean, I never saw it that way. I always saw it as being kind of a. Like this is what we're interested in, and we all get together and talk about it and debate it, and we talk about the current stuff. We have a speaker, and then we go home. Mm-hmm. Um, the section director certainly seemed to be the one that was involved in research or talking to witnesses or gathering photographs and stuff like that, and uh, and that was it. So I don't I don't know. And as far as where does all that data go? Uh, again, it's it's filed somewhere, I'm sure, but how valid is any of it? Is it gone over to assess in the upper echelon? Is it gone over to to like? Well, I think this was like like Bruce McAbee was our was our state director, I think, or something like that. And when there came photographic data, it was passed to him, and then would he make the call? As to did it go on to be filed away at MUFON headquarters? I, I don't know. Or at the I mean, Department it, of Naval Intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> no, we I think we all know where that data went. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, you know, that's I, – I never I – never, I never saw MUFON as like this is the hardcore it, – it, I mean let's be honest with you. The individual – um, investigator who's worth his salt is going to be on the case, I think, before MUFON will be anyway. Um, with the internet and all of that going on now, I think, you know, um, I think it would be hard for MUFON to be the first on the scene, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. What are they doing with it? That's my big question. And, um, and listeners, if you know anybody or you are, uh, you know, in MUFON, and uh, and you know the inner workings, and you are aware of all this data, where it's going, and what's being done with it. We'd love to know. And uh, if you want to come on the show and talk about it, or drop us a line, or if you podcast at gmail dot com, then do that. Yeah, uh, I think I just talked over you, so I'll say it again: Peritopia Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, but uh, if if you work for MUFON and you want to challenge me on my notion that most MUFON people aren't. Uh, you can't carry my jock. <laughs> I I would I would honestly be open to hearing it because uh, it would it would make me feel pretty damn good to know that I'm wrong on that one. You know. Well, have you been to a MUFON meeting in New York any at any time? I can't imagine going to a MUFON meeting. No. 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 I've just I've met uh, the Mass whatever the Massachusetts Steve Fermani is that his name? I don't know. Uh, and some you know local people here who I know who have joined up MUFON with MUFON and it's just uh-huh. like. I'm uh, evil. Not, I'm evil, Jeff. <laughs> well, no, I don't, you're not the first person to say that. I mean, uh, to me, uh, I mean, I've had a lot of people in different states tell me the same thing. So, I I don't know. I mean, um, this has been a very nuts and bolts uh, episode. 
Yeah, I guess it has to a certain degree. I must say. Yeah, that's kind of a, I think the whole MUFON thing is kind of open ended. So I'll I'll be interested to hear if anybody replies to let us know what's going on with that. But uh, don't you don't you agree? Kind of like the individual to a certain point would be almost I don't know easier to to get in. But how I remember back when some stuff started to happen. I mean. I'll put it this way. If you're really interested in this phenomenon, you really want to study it, and you want to talk to witnesses firsthand and all of that, and you want to be first on the scene, I'll tell you what to do. Go to your police station. Give them your number. Give them your name. Tell them if they ever get any UFO reports, uh, tell them to call you. And and it works. And you will get to go. Um, but for Christ's sakes, you know, have a questionnaire, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Or be willing to talk to these people to uh, to try and uh, uh, I don't know find something out. And but then, and what's your to- point in being there? Like, what's in it for them for you to be there? And they're like, "Oh, what are you doing here? The police sent you. What's your qualification? Oh, I'm that guy that just gave them my phone number. <laughs> Here's my questionnaire, which may or may not be well, see, that's, sensical. And that's exactly the, that's exactly the the problem that I had. You know, there's like I would get there, I would pull up, I'd knock on the door. I remember the very first one that I had, and uh, and it was it was I don't know, probably five or six miles away, and it was a it was a pretty good sighting. I mean, it was a it was a triangle. Uh, object that actually um, was in the middle of the road, uh, not landed, but treetop level. And uh, it was an elderly couple that saw it, and they were f- freaked out. I mean, really freaked out. And I didn't really have a questionnaire, but I knocked on the door, and and I said... Um, Let me smell you. Yeah. <laughs> I knocked on the door, and I, I said... Uh, uh, I said, Richard, and, and, and the old man says, yes, I'm Richard. And I said, uh, my name's Jeff Fritz, but I called you on the phone. Um, uh, you know, got, you, you know, the police, you know, and let me know that you had a sighting here of something is strange. I'm here to talk to you about it. Who? I mean, it was one of those <laughs> and, and it was a little embarrassing, but you know, and he did, I, I mean, he was, a he was in the air force and all of that. And, um, and he said, so how long have you been studying this stuff? And I said, well, only a couple of years, but uh, I'm really into it. And, um, and, and I've, I've, I've looked into a, a, a bit about sightings in Maryland, and um, I'm very curious to, to, to know what you saw. Can you, can you walk me through it? And they literally walked me through it. I mean, we got in the car, and we went to the spot where they saw it. Um, it was in a rural area and a very long driveway, like a gravel driveway. And they drove me to the spot where they stopped and this thing was. And, um, and at that point, you know, I'm, I'm up there, uh, measuring the width of the driveway and, and all of that. And, um, and, and what did I do? I came home and put it in a filing cabinet. That's what I did. And, um, and I didn't get another correlated one until about eight years later that I felt this person had seen exactly the same thing that this elderly couple had seen uh, and couldn't possibly have known about it. See, that's, that's the big thing is um, on a certain level, I can understand why MUFON would not want to release every bit of data on every case. I can understand it to a degree because you will get people who copycat sighting or you know, the attention thing. I mean, this has been talked about as far as that goes when you talk about, 
well, the whole trickster thing. I mean, this is part of it. People want to be on TV or people want to be uh, involved in this and, and they're interested in it to a certain degree and it's happened in their hometown. So, yeah, I saw it too. Oh, me too, me too, me too. Uh, I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't even tell MUFON about it when I went to those meetings. Um, and I saw, you know, over the course of eight years, I didn't get another call in that area uh, until one day I, I, there was a man who, again, was driving home uh, at night and saw what I believe is exactly the same object because it had a very distinctive shape. And I don't think he could have known that um, – because it was never really publicized. So that was that was of value to me in that independent confirmation way. So to a degree, I can understand why some of the sightings are kept hush-hush and we don't talk about that. Let's see if anyone else sees it. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason, I'm sure, for it. But I would like to know, where is the huge body of data that MUFON has collected over decades? Where is that gone? And, and is anything really being done with it? I'm surprised they haven't put out a MUFON encyclopedia of some sort. Yeah, yeah that would be great. I mean... Hmm. Um, well, let's uh, wrap this up. And let me just say in, in, in parting that uh, there's someone who uh, told me some of her life story that was so fantastic and tied together so many elements of our stuff from fractals to that female voice Mm. to the feeling of, you know, this has to do with nature somehow, Mm. all of this stuff, uh, that, that I, I asked her, um, she wouldn't come on the show because she doesn't want it to affect her career. And, and she does have, um, a highfalutin career that, that it would affect. Okay. Uh, so I was like, well, why don't you come on anonymously? And she didn't want to do that. Okay. Um, but I talked to her today and just said, can I talk about your story? And that's what I was going to do tonight in this after chat um, is relay it. But then in through our talking, she decided she would go ahead and, and come on the show anonymously. Oh, great. Uh, so that may be as early as next week or perhaps the week after. Um, cool. But anyway, look forward to that. I'm I'm psyched about this. I think this is going to... Uh, like I said, it's going to tie together uh, a bunch of a bunch of things, and um, I think it'll be interesting for people. Well, can I ask? Is this all um, you know direct memory? Like yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's great. Are we going to disguise her voice or anything? Or no, I, I, I asked her <laughs> if she wanted us to do that, and she said no. no that'll, okay. that'll be cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's uh, that's good. Yeah, so we have I that guess so. If anyone, to. if anyone out there does happen to recognize her, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Okay. Well, great. That sounds good. I know you were, uh, you were pretty astounded by some of that stuff. So that'll be a that'll be a good show. Indeed. All what right. else you got? Uh, what else have I got? Well, let's see. The magazine is due out really soon, and um, thankfully no one has been asking us, hey, where's the magazine? And probably, <laughs> probably they feel like they're in magazine overload from just all the brouhaha, ha, 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 uh-huh. if, you, if you will, of, uh, <laughs> of uh, you know, the, 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 the free couple of articles that came out. Um, right. But... Oh, there's a lot more. <laughs> there's a lot more, and I was reading it today because I'm going over it now with a fine-tooth comb one last time, um, uh-huh. you know, for anything I might might have missed editing-wise, which is far and few between, but there are a few things, um, and it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it really yeah. is. Like, Nick Redfern's article is great. Phil and Brogno's mm-hmm. article is great, and um, 
I mean, everyone's stuff is like really, really solid and your artwork is really, really solid. And oh. the stuff that you're putting the finishing touches on now, I think are going to, uh, they're going to be the frosting that make the cake. Yeah. So I think this is going to be a stellar, um, launch. Yeah. I mean, I got, uh, one more article to get laid out and, uh, well, and I'm glad it, we didn't rush it. You know what I mean? Like, like it makes sense. Yeah. It makes fiscal sense to put out the free preview and then get this thing out as quickly as possible and make as much money off of it as we can off the buzz. But I think it's more important to actually have like something great <laughs> under our I'd, belt. Yeah, I'd rather not. Um, I don't. I don't really even. I, I, I'm not even worried about sailing off the buzz of the preview. I'd just rather right. you know turn out something that looks decent and be proud of it. So. That's that's really been the thing, and and the uh, you know the, getting these all organized. I mean, I tell you, it's 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 a lot of work. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of work uh, tr- trying to read these and then come up with some kind of of illustration that that uh, that does it the story justice. So, and then laying it all out and getting you know, like the the table of contents set up and our and your enter letter and my exit letter. And all of that, um, uh, you know, I, it, it's a lot more work than I thought it would be. I, th- I thought this would be easy of doing it online. It's not. It's not really any easier than a print job for me. So, uh, yeah, I hope everybody enjoys it, and um, and it'll be probably about a week, and I should be, uh, it should be, we should have it up. So, all you subscribers, uh, you know, you'll get a link, uh, or it'll be just, it, well, it'll probably be a link on uh in the member section so you'll be able to access it there and and get it in either format that you want the virtual or the pdf download very good all right all right the jeff jeremy let's again thank mark allen from abovetopsecret.com visit yes. his site www.abovetopsecret.com and uh and and you won't be uh you won't be disappointed there's a lot to uh sink your teeth into over there whether it be a good subject or another member Another member of what? <laughs> oh, oh, another just just you mean arguing, <laughs> arguing with people, right? Uh, well, and and also they they cover more stuff than we do. They they get into political conspiracies and all sorts of oh yeah stuff. So um, you there's something for everyone over there, and uh, and there is a ghost section over there. There's a paranormal ghost section over there, which I don't think is as heavily trafficked as it, as it should be. Uh, so go check that out, and um, maybe we should go check that out. I think we will. I think we will. Perhaps so in the coming weeks, you will find Jeff and I in the ghost section yeah. of AboveTopSecret.com. Yeah. So thanks, Mark, for coming on because I know you're a busy guy and you got a lot of stuff going on. And uh, and we're looking forward to uh, to the, the, the big story that's going to break there uh, sometime real soon. 